You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio, the place to be for mindset and energetic wisdom, for growing a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I am your host, Megan Hale, and if you are new here, a huge welcome. I am so glad you are joining us. We have been diving into money big time this season, and I've been having a ball, first off, (laughs) but I also wanted to follow up last week's episode with five P's that prevent profit. Because as I was reflecting on my biggest mistake in business, which I dove into last week, the patterns that were actually keeping me stuck are actually the things that we're talking about today. So this past week inside Money Love, which is the four-week money course that I am facilitating right now, we have been uncovering some powerful truths when it comes to money, especially relating to what prevents us from asking for more, pursuing more, receiving more, and all the things. And what we're starting to realize is that the same patterns that keep us from feeling enough are very similar to what prevent us from more cash. So in 2015, I wrote an article titled the five P's that prevent happiness. Now at the time I knew there was a direct correlation to these five P's and our ability to feel enough, but it would be years later before I connected the dots to how they show up with money. So dear listener, if you happen to be a smart, intuitive, gifted person who is struggling to earn the cash they want and completely frustrated when you see people who don't have nearly the experience, talent, education, or wisdom that you do earning far more money, I want you to grab a pen and a piece of paper because what we're diving into today on this episode is muy importante as we say down here in Texas. So where I want to start is here. We all have stories that we tell ourselves on who we need to be and what we need to do in order to earn more money. We love to try and fit ourselves into other people's blueprints. We love to tell ourselves that we need to get better at something that isn't really that important before we can start earning more money, okay? We also love to look for like the easy button or that one missing piece that's holding us back by telling ourselves, gosh, like if I could just X, Y, Z, then I could blah, blah, blah. Right. And maybe some of that is true. Like maybe you do need to get better at email marketing or video or money management or whatever, if that is something that you feel is holding your business back, but you getting better at those things is not the thing that's keeping you from more money. Okay. So hopefully that's relieving or maybe it creates more anxiety because if it's not that, then what is it? Well, that's what we're diving into today. So the truth is this, You have everything you need to at least step into your good goal right now. And if you don't know what I'm referring to when I say good goal, make sure that you've downloaded the Grounded Goals Masterclass on the homepage of my website, meganhale.co. You'll see it right there as I walk you through the process of clarifying your good, better, and best money goals while also identifying your money hierarchy, okay? As we start talking about moving to your next level of business, New levels are always going to require more leverage, which we briefly discussed on the show last week, right? This means that to step into your better and best money goals, you will need to leverage your time, 
your rates, your mindset, your strategy, and your leadership to get there, okay? And today, we're diving into five pieces that will always be part of your mindset work, whether you're approaching your good, better, or best goals. But before we do, I wanna lay out a framework for us. So when it comes to making more money, what we're really talking about here is creating income streams, right? Income streams are the actual vehicle you're driving for money to get into. And what I see oftentimes, at least in the beginning, is we create this vehicle, i.e. an offering, right? And assume that money is just supposed to get in the car. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I have spent a lot of time building these beautiful vehicles and I'm like, why isn't the money getting in the car? <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here, right? And in reality, our car needs to be painted and shiny to attract its buyers. It needs a marketing plan that differentiates it from every other car on the market. It needs test drivers to offer feedback, et cetera, right? And when money doesn't get in the car, we assume that the car needs to be tweaked. And maybe it does to a certain extent, but more times than not, it's not the car that needs to change, it's the marketing, okay? For instance, when I was marketing Claim Your Enoughness, which was a program I ran in 2015 that walked people through the inner work of creating more worthiness, it was hard to get people to raise their hands for that, right? The program itself was life-changing for the people who went through it, okay? And when I'm saying life-changing, like I'm talking people still are messaging me about that program four years later of saying, you just have no idea how much that shifted for me, okay? So... In the course of four weeks, I helped them uncover the root beliefs that were preventing them from showing up braver in the world and what needed to be healed to feel more confident in their own skin, their own gifts, their own intuition, right? However, the people who joined that program, which hello, CYE peeps, if you are listening, were only people who were comfortable enough with vulnerability and confident enough to do this type of work which was super empowering for them, right? But what I realized is that the amount of people who are confident enough to do this type of work and who are comfortable with vulnerability enough to say, yes, enoughness is something that comes up for me a lot. I need to work on this, right? Failed in comparison to the amount of people who would willingly raise their hands for something that was like way more sexy, sparkly, and socially acceptable, like bravery, for instance, right? Because who doesn't want to be braver? Yet, the truth is this. We all need to claim our enoughness, friends. Like in a world that tells us we aren't enough in 9 million ways on a daily basis, we need to come home to ourselves just as often throughout our day and remind ourselves to unsubscribe from all that noise and focus instead on all that we are. And that means letting go of trying to perfect ourselves in order to be enough or wearing a badge of exhaustion to prove that we've done enough or watering ourselves down not to piss other people off because liking yourself versus being liked is far more important. Am I right? Yet, I get it. It's so much easier for us to talk about the things we feel confident in versus sharing the things that we aren't. So it is so much easier to get people to sign on for being braver, for instance, which comes from feeling more enough, by the way, than it is to get people to sign on for doing enoughness work because in so doing, people are admitting, hey, I doubt myself. Hey, I struggle feeling enough, right? And that's just something that's not really warm and fuzzy for us to just broadcast out into the world. So these are things that we tend to talk about our best friends with on the phone, 
but we very rarely talk about professionally when these are just as likely to show up in the professional sphere as anywhere else. So I bring this to the conversation because what I learned from this endeavor is to give people what they want, okay, not what they need. And before you go and build a whole new car, check how you are marketing the car before you do anything else. Okay, because marketing is like the gas, and we have to make sure we have a full tank. So I mentioned this because there will be times when you launch something and it underperforms. Money Love just did that. Like I did not hit my good goal with enrollment, but instead of thinking about this being a failure, I'm simply going back to the drawing board here and asking, okay, where did I miss the mark? What needs to shift? What needs to be clear? What needs to be communicated to make this a no brainer? Like, especially with the feedback from the money series, like I know that these podcast episodes have been like blowing your mind. So right, it's talking about money and the relationship we have with it from a completely different perspective than most of us are used to experiencing, right? So it's up to me to be the investigator to figure out how all these pieces work together. And I can do that, right? And so can you. And when we can approach business this way, we're simply staying curious instead of making our failures mean things. Do you know what I mean? So how do we do that? I think one of the biggest ways that we can start to do this in our business is unhooking from the narratives that keep us pushing, hustling, and proving our worthiness, and instead grounding down into enoughness and then translating that into more cash. And today, we're diving into the five things that are preventing you from making more profit. Okay. And then I'm going to offer you some solutions. Are you ready? <laughs> Here we go. So the five P's that prevent profit are perfecting, pleasing, proving, performing, putting off. Okay. We're going to dive into each one. So first up is perfecting and friends. I know we all have experience with this one. Perfectionism has ridden shotgun for most of my life and unbeknownst to me, was actually driving a lot of my high achievement. That was until a very cold day in February of 2013 when I'll never forget almost falling out of my chair reading the gifts of imperfection for the first time when Brene said, perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. Perfection is not about healthy achievement and growth. Perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect, we can minimize our, or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. It is a shield. Perfectionism is a 20-ton shield that we lug around thinking it will protect us when, in fact, it's the thing that's really preventing us from being seen and taking flight. Oh my gosh. Perfectionism is not self-improvement. Perfectionism is, at its core, about trying to earn approval and acceptance. Oh my goodness. Okay, she goes on to say, most perfectionists were raised being praised for achievement and performance, grades, manners, rule following, people pleasing, appearance, sports, whatever. Somewhere along the way, we adopt this dangerous and debilitating belief system. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. Healthy striving is self-focused. How can I improve? Perfectionism is other-focused. What will people think? I mean, come on, you guys. If you're a high achiever, <laughs> I know this stings a little. And I know we all are fully aware of how this shows up in our personal lives. But where I want to focus on is how this shows up with money. 
how many times do we think our offering needs to be perfect or we need to be perfect delivering it or we have to have it all figured out or we need to be the end all be all in some subject matter in order to be deserving of high dollars. How many times have you stopped yourself from hitting publish on something because it wasn't up to your standards? How many times have you stopped yourself from putting an offering out into the world because you didn't believe it was good enough? How many times have you doubted the impact you could make because you didn't have it all figured out? I know. The truth is we allow perfectionism to stand in our way of putting our offerings out there. You guys, like we try and tweak them to perfection before we let others see them. And although to some degree, yes, we need to have a standard of quality to our work. Quality does not infer perfection. Something can be quality and still have lots of room for improvement. And I can guarantee you if perfectionism is something you struggle with, <laughs> your idea of B plus level work is like A plus plus work to others, which PS, Steph Crowder and I talked about this on the wisdom series, which I'll link to in the show notes. So how do I know this? Because those of us who live with perfectionism put an incredibly high standard on our work. Like we pay attention to details to minute pieces of everything. But what we're really trying to prevent with perfectionism is judgment, right? If we can do it perfectly, there isn't anything to judge. If we can do it perfectly, there's no way to get it wrong, make a mistake, or be criticized. And where this relates to money, <laughs> what we're really trying to avoid is this situation in which we experience people say and or feel, I can't believe I paid this much for this. What we're trying to ensure with perfectionism is that people feel good about their investment, that the level of investment matches the level of quality they received. And the tricky, tricky thing about this is that there is a fine line, my friends, between integrity, which is a good thing I will stand by all day long, and perfectionism, okay? So my question to you is, can you put something out that's imperfect, but still deliver it with integrity? Just a question. Because the truth is you will always be making your work better. That's who you are as a person. You will always be quality improving it. Even when you deliver something you feel incredibly confident in, you'll still go back and tweak it because that's integrity. That is quality improvement. But notice that in this situation, you get to be in integrity and still make money. Pursuing perfection and money at the same time rarely works. <laughs> so do it messy, make messy money now, make better money later, okay? But here's another place perfectionism can show up. We also perfect the way we handle money, spend our money, save our money, and on and on and on to be seen as good with it, okay? And friends, money does not come with any hard, fast rules around what's right and what's wrong, except for the ones that you buy into, so if you try and play by others' rules to judge if you're managing your money well, well, there is a surefire way to live someone else's financial truth versus grounding down into your own, okay? So perfectionism shows up in lots of different ways when we are pursuing more profit, and it can even show up in the way that we are allowing ourselves to feel good and trust ourselves with it if we are holding ourselves to these unrealistic expectations that will never make a mistake with how we're managing our money, spending our money, saving our money, whatnot, okay? So let's continue. 
Because if perfectionism is a self-sabotager of putting our work out there, the one that is right on its heels is pleasing. And the way this shows up with money is shifting our offerings to make them work for other people versus offering our work in the best way for it to be delivered. We shift our offerings to work for everyone because we don't want to leave people out. And these alone will create watered down versions of your offerings, right? But the thing that can really wreak havoc when it comes to pleasing is playing small with the money actions you need to take in order to reach your revenue goals because you want to play by the good girl script, okay? Here's what I mean. You'll likely not take up as much space because you're afraid of what people think. You will shrink your goals down to make others more comfortable because God forbid an empowered woman love money, want money, desire money, pursue money, enjoy money, take control of her money, build a financially independent life, right? But even more so, if you're letting pleasing run the show, the other thing that's happening underneath this drive is the need to fit in and belong, okay? And it's really here where we can let our money goals either overinflate when we're trying to hang out with like the cool kids and air quotes, or where we can water our dreams down so others don't think we're greedy, selfish, what have you, for wanting so much, right? Which is exactly why I am in love with the Grounded Goals Masterclass, because it helps you bypass what everyone else is doing and instead focus on your own lane, right? Lastly, one final way that pleasing shows up is with poor boundaries with your clients, of being far too available with your time, with overgiving or overworking to ensure people get what they pay for, or anything that has you prioritizing the well-being of others over the well-being of yourself and your family. So they will like you, be pleased with you, et cetera, right? Why does this prevent profit? Because pleasing sets us up for burnout quicker than any other P. <laughs> it encourages us to not make waves in our marketing when polarity is actually a good thing, right? And it also encourages us to play by the rules and what business really needs is innovation for us to be willing to break the, the rules, for us to be experimental, for us to just throw some ideas out there and play with it because that's how business starts to grow legs of seeing what works and getting creative with it, right? So I'm gonna give you a list of how to break through each of these in the end, so stick with me, okay? So next up is proving. And oh my goodness, y'all, this is a oh, so juicy one. So proving energy is one of the most ungrounded approaches to business we can take, and it happens when we're hustling to prove we're worth the investment, when we're hustling to prove or convince our offerings are powerful, transformative, whatever it is that you're selling, right? Or when we use our money Listen to this one. When we use our money, how much we're earning to prove that we are equal, that we are contributing in our relationships, that we are worthy or we are deserving or we are successful. Is that ringing true for anybody out there? Like, can I get an amen? So proving energy is like a downward spiral for your sales process because when we're proving, when we're hustling, the thing that is coming off is neediness and desperation. So to put this into context for you in a human to human relationship, I want you to imagine that you are in a relationship with someone who is constantly trying to one up you, who is constantly sharing their successes with you so you think they're cool, who is constantly trying to convince you that they're lovable by trying way too damn hard. What do we do in that situation? 
most of us are like, oh man, this feels like an awful lot of responsibility if they're depending on me to believe in themselves, right? It's the exact same in the sales conversation. So the antithesis to proving is positioning, confidence, and conviction, which we'll get into in just a few seconds. So the next P is performing, which is all about money needing to come from hard work. And listen, friends, <laughs> loving your work and working a lot are two different things. I love working. It is fun. It's gratifying. But when it comes to money, money comes from ease, fun, flow, and leverage. When we are stuck in performing, we tend to overwork and overgive to justify asking for higher rates, right? So we can see this rubbing up real nice to pleasing. We create struggle to live into this self-fulfilling belief that money comes from hard work. And we'll do this by creating confusion for ourselves, overcomplicating things, right? Or we will literally create more work for ourselves to feel that money is justified. So this can also show up in the thing that I talked about last week on the podcast when it comes to content creation. Like we can easily create, 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 which is necessary to an extent. But this is like labor work in our businesses, right? Our businesses cannot scale on labor work alone. To scale, we have to find ways to work less and earn more by leveraging our time and our content. So if you find yourself working a lot, but not getting where you want to go, I want you to perk your ears up here when we get into the solutions, okay? Our last P is all about putting off, which is really a symptom of the other P's, right? We procrastinate on the work that really needs to be done to change our financial situation, which I have personally found to usually be rooted in a deep-seated fear of success, especially in regards to how success will shift our relationships, but also the level of perceived responsibility that will come with new levels of success, okay? So procrastination, oh man, it's like the worst type of self-sabotage because without action, nothing changes, right? Like the end. But here's the other thing too. How many times have you thought about making like three times more than what you are now and you become overwhelmed with how you would even manage that amount of money? Or how many times have you thought about growing your audience and you became overwhelmed with the idea of having to manage that many people in your space, right? Like thinking about all the Instagram comments, right? <laughs> or how many times have you thought about growing your email list and you became overwhelmed with having to show up in a more committed way to build relationships with that many people, okay? So here's the deal. Success does invite us to deeper layers of responsibility, but these new layers are not impossible for us to figure out. They will likely be uncomfortable, right? Yet the thing I see is we make all these assumptions of what our success will ask of us. And instead of actually doing the things that will lead us to more success, we choose to stay with what we know because we're scared to grow. And in reality, we have no idea how more success will feel until we get there, right? There will likely be things we assumed would be challenging that are actually fun and exciting. Just like there will likely be things we assumed would be fun and exciting that are actually a lot more challenging. And so my point is this, what assumptions are you making about your success that are holding you back from stepping into it? And I want you to journal on that one for me. It's a really great journaling prompt. So much can come up now. Let's get into the solutions. So this is probably my favorite part of the conversation. When it comes to overcoming perfectionism, we have three heavy hitters here and they are vulnerability, 
self-acceptance and self-forgiveness. Okay. I am a big believer in cultivating the belief that you are already perfect for the work you're here to create and the impact you're here to make. I would much rather believe I'm perfect in every single way for what I need to do in this moment than get more comfortable with being imperfect. But that's just me though, right? Like imperfection is a concept we can buy into or we cannot right? So either way though, the process to arriving there is the same. So to arrive to the deep knowing that you are perfect, the two tools that get us there are self-acceptance and self-forgiveness. So if perfectionism is our way of shielding ourselves from like blame, shame, and criticism, the antithesis is to heal the tender spots that tell us we're not enough, right? And what is healed is kind of in penipetrol, like for the most part. No one can make us feel guilty or shameful without our consent but without healing work, we'll really struggle holding that line, right? And so in regards to money, this really shows up with cultivating the vulnerability to take brave action, to be okay to get it wrong, to be okay with failing forward, to be okay with needing to improve. Like that is self-growth. In the end, done is better than perfect, friends, okay? And you do not need to be perfect in order to charge more for your work. Oh my goodness, you do not need to be perfect to charge more it, well, let me, let me put it this way. If you didn't need to be perfect to charge more and could raise your rates right now, what would you be pricing your offerings? And I want you to write down that number right now. <laughs> if you did not have to be perfect to charge more, if your offering did not have to be perfect to put it out in the world and charge more, what price point would you put on the offering? And I want you to write down that number right now. And then I want you to walk your way into it. When it comes to pleasing, the way out of this one is getting laser focused on your own lane, your own values, your own dreams, your own pace, and your own way of doing things. Okay? Big five. This is what creates self-belonging, and it is such a core component of grounded leadership. Like if you want to earn more, you have to get used to not everyone liking you. You have to get used to putting your ideas out in the world that might rub some people the wrong way. You have to get used to relentlessly pursuing your idea of success versus trying to keep up with others' definitions, right? This and this alone will help so much in allowing your money to feel good. And isn't that the whole point? I think so. So proving, and this one is perhaps one of my favorites. I love walking people through exercises when it comes to creating more confidence and conviction, because not only is it completely grounding for how they hold themselves and their work and or worth, it is so damn clarifying and positioning your offerings and pricing them in a way that is truly embodied and aligned with their values. So here's how I think about these two components. Conviction comes from knowing. Confidence comes from knowledge. Let's go deeper for just a second. So conviction is rooted in knowing the value you bring by being who you are. It's your magic sauce. It's your unique way of interacting with the world, your unique gifts, the way they manifest through you. It's your beliefs, perspectives, ways of thinking and doing things that no one does exactly like you because no one can do it exactly like you. It's knowing who you are, what you bring, who you help, and how you love to help them. If you do some work here, you will notice a huge difference in your level of conviction, okay? It's actually attaching value, which is priceless value, by the way, to what you bring 
just by being who you are, okay? Confidence, on the other hand, is rooted in trusting the knowledge and expertise you bring through what you are offering. So this is all about understanding your experience in education and the way that you deliver your work to create the bigger impact. So I would argue that as long as conviction is strong, you can lead with an offering that you're not totally confident in. And this usually happens when we launch something for the first time because we don't know how well-suited the structure of an offering will be, for example, right? Like we aren't quite sure how all the information we provide flows or doesn't flow together. We can only know those things from actually doing them, facilitating them, etc. So I totally believe as long as conviction is strong, you can launch an offering you're not quite confident in because more times than not, we're not going to be 100% confident in an offering we have not facilitated yet, right? Because there's a lot of things we kind of have to test out and see how it all works together. So what happens when we lack conviction though? Okay. So when we lack conviction, when we really struggle to trust the value that we bring by simply being who we are, what we do is we lean on the confidence until our conviction catches up. Here's what I mean. If you are struggling trusting your gifts and your magic, I want you to lean on your knowledge in the meantime while you deepen into your knowing. It is much easier to put a value to the information you hold in your brain, your expertise in the subject matter, the number of years you have experience with a specific subject, for instance, than it may be seeing how valuable you are as the vessel that's delivering it. And this is okay. Like, it's just where you are. I think all of us are always deepening into our conviction and confidence, especially when we're putting different work out into the world, right? But what I have found is that if you can lean on your knowledge while you build more trust in your knowing and you bring more of yourself into your work as time goes on, you will build more trust in your gifts. You will build more trust in your magic and you will finally be able to see that it's really you that makes your offerings valuable, not just the knowledge that you are delivering. And it's when we have both that our positioning becomes really super solid and our price points go up because we're standing in both confidence and conviction because we know the value that we are bringing to the table. Okay, two more. When it comes to overcoming performing, friends, <laughs> we are, man, this performing shows up so big for me. So that's why I'm laughing because there's so many messages. It's just in my transgenerational money story, like money comes from hard work and all of these things. So for me, this is really about checking yourself on how much you're offering to justify a certain price point. And we're also talking about not creating more work for yourself where there does not need to be, right? We're also talking about balancing your love for your work with ease, fun, flow, and leverage around money. Because here's the thing, money doesn't want you to work yourself to the bone for it. That's not what money is here to do. It wants you to wonder, how can my biggest dreams come through the easiest way possible? Like money doesn't have to be hard to make. It just doesn't. Like I am living proof. And I have personally found the more time I spend bringing joy, relaxation, and restoration into my life, the more profitable my business becomes. Also, if that sounds a little woo for you, I want you to go check out Run Like Clockwork by my friend Adrienne Dorson because she will tell you the trick to earning big is actually doing less better. And she brings all kinds of practical wisdom on how to actually do that. Okay. So lastly, putting off. 
Ah, friends, I am here to help you take messy action, to commit to taking more messy action and letting your future self drive the car because here is the deal. The thing that is most likely preventing you from taking action is not the fear of what will happen when you fail. It's most likely the fear of what will happen when you succeed. Here's why. As I mentioned, success invites us into new levels of responsibility. It shifts our reality. We have to become someone new, and with that, our life and relationships do too. And this is all about leaving your comfort zone, which is why vulnerability is so huge here. So my biggest advice is this. You will build the bridges you need to support your success as you cross each milestone. I'm going to say that one more time. You will build the bridges you need to support your success as you cross each milestone. You can trust yourself here. Will it be messy? Totally. Building bridges often is. <laughs> but do you want to know what's even messier and scarier? Staying in the same place of self-sabotage, of knowing how to do something better, still not doing it. Because that age-old advice, when you know better, you do better, it's just not true. <laughs> when you know better and commit to doing better, that's when you do better. There has to be a level of commitment of being willing to get messy and do something you've never done. Now, the thing about this is, is that when we know that we're putting off, when we know that we're procrastinating, when we know we are sabotaging our success, I don't know about you, but for me, this creates feelings of guilt and shame. And there is enough of that for us to work through. You guys, like why create more of that for yourself, right? So you have to commit to taking messy action. And if things shift and evolve with your success, which they likely will, you will figure it out. <laughs> don't make assumptions on what your success is going to require of you because you don't know that yet. <laughs> and we are here to expand, friends. So by you not expanding, by you holding yourself back, you are going against the very DNA of your soul. And that's why it does not feel good because your soul is like, what are we doing here? This isn't what we came here for. And you're like, I know, but I'm really scared to do the thing that we came here for. But your soul is like, but that's the whole point of pushing through the things that we're afraid of so we can become our best self. <laughs> so, <laughs> we can go back and forth here a long time. But my, my piece of this is, is here. We're here to expand, okay? And I am here to hold the space for your beautiful expansion. So, gang, here we are. The five Ps that prevent profit. Perfecting, pleasing, proving, performing, and putting off. I would love to know which one of these rang true for you. We always have our favorite P's. And I'd also love to know what permission you're going to give yourself to step into more earning and how you're going to prioritize more profit no matter what. Because trust me, it is so easy to let these five P's derail you, to let them lie to you, to let them keep you from taking that action that our businesses and our money so desperately need us to take. And I am here to see you step into more earning, to take charge of your money, to love your money, to let your money more deeply love you. Because I truly believe financially empowered women will shift the world. Like we not only hold 80% of the buying power in the world at this moment in time, but when we start to get even more comfortable holding this power, 
intentionally pursuing more of it, we have such an opportunity to shift the world. You guys, we haven't even scratched the surface on the world that we can create. So if you love this episode, I would love for you to share it with another biz friend who gets caught in these five keys, which P.S., we all do. I have been around long enough to know none of us are immune to these. And after they listen to it, I want you to buddy up. How can you each champion for each other to cultivate more vulnerability, to take messy action, to shut out the noise and focus on your own lane, to be brave enough to polarize some big concepts in your marketing, to make waves with your work, right? To commit to taking daily action versus putting off the actions you need to take. Accountability here is crucial. Oh my goodness, it's so crucial. And if that is something you are interested in, I'll be opening the door soon to the Wild and Holy Leader Circle, which is a four-month high-touch mastermind. We're getting started right after Labor Day that's focused on earning, visibility, money mastery, and business leadership. So if that sounds intriguing to you, go check out meganhale.co for all the information. We're going to have a curated group of nine women ready to create major momentum by deepening their relationship to money, which I'm so excited about taking messy, consistent action because without action, nothing changes, pursuing more visibility so we can start to leverage our content and leverage our time and prioritize more earning because I know that you're here to change the world and I am here to help you do it. So find out more on my website and until next time, friends, here's to the courage to show up braver, whole heart, whole self, all in. We got this.